Welcome to season four of The Culture of Kindness. My name is Nahala Summers and I am your host. A culture of kindness is based on the idea that by bringing kindness into leadership, we reduce stress, anxiety, make happier workplaces, and in turn, improve the bottom line for any organization or institution. It is a book, leadership program, accreditation, and of course, this wonderful podcast. Kindness has been my life's work since I founded the social movement for kindness back in 2012 called Sunshine People. And it has kept me interested on what people have to say on the complexities of kindness ever since. The guest lineup is exceptional. From politicians to social media influencers, best-selling authors to BBC presenters, an eclectic mix of people who all have completely different views on kindness, how we get it and where the world is currently at. If you enjoy this episode, then please do show your support for kindness by subscribing to the podcast, leave a five-star review or simply invest in the book, aptly named A Culture of Kindness, available on Amazon. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy. Ben, thank you so much for coming and being a guest on A Culture of Kindness podcast. You are so welcome. I've been looking forward to this uh, particular podcast, mainly because of my affiliation with Hilton and my complete love of Hilton now, but also because of the journey that you've been on. And I think you can give some real insights into A Culture of Kindness leadership, that whole journey. And uh, I think my guests will be looking forward to hearing from you. First of all, I think we start with a little bit about your journey, because your journey within Hilton really does highlight the power that Hilton has to kind of work your way up, what hard work is, the the, the progression that you can have with one organization, doesn't it? Yes, thank you for the opportunity to uh, speak to you, Nara. Uh, well, my own personal journey with Hilton is, hasn't been that long, really. It's been 13 years, but there are many uh, extraordinary people who've spent all of their career at Hilton. And when we celebrate anniversaries of 40 years, 45 years, 50 years, it's just humbling, isn't it? That people have given their whole career, their whole life to the success of Hilton. Uh, and, and we have many people around the world who've done that. So it's, it's extraordinary. It says something about, about those people, of course, and it says something about Hilton. As a company where you can join, uh, maybe just living straight from school, uh, do an apprenticeship and then reach for the stars, you know, literally have an opportunity to get to the very top of the organization. If you're if you're prepared to work hard, if you have that kind of potential, if you're interested in learning and in growth, uh, those opportunities are made available to you. And then personally, uh, I joined at a fairly senior level and I was promoted a couple of times in the short time I've been with Hilton. So even even. Uh, this late in my career, it's never too late to have those kinds of opportunities and Hilton will give them to you. But share where you started from, because you didn't kind of start straight into senior leadership. You started somewhere else, right? Yes, yes. And so, I, uh, in fact, my career in hospitality started at the very bottom. You know, I, my first job in hospitality was uh, serving in a restaurant as a very junior a waiter, you know, I, I had to be trained to wait tables, literally. Uh, and uh, and I worked in service 
in hotels for quite a few years, working my way up from being a waiter to being a sort of supervising waiter and then a head waiter and so on and so forth. Until one day, uh, I, I developed a little bit of ambition and decided that I, I should I should take a management training scheme, which I did with a company called Trust House Forty many years ago. It doesn't exist anymore, uh, and that's that's how I started my career uh, into into leadership positions. And I was given opportunities by that company to to, to train and to uh, apply for bigger roles, and then eventually. Uh, I was HR director of a business in Italy, and then you know life went on from there. And then I explored uh, uh, different industries. I went to work in um, in a technology in the technology business. Moved to live in America for a few years. Came back and joined a retail company, and then came back to hospitality about 12, 12, 13 years ago with Hilton. It's an incredible leadership journey, and I think that everybody has that. You know, they've started off somewhere, and then they've they've grown um, from there. But you really did start in the hospitality industry from kind of the ground and then have have gone into a very senior position within Hilton. What would you say that journey has looked like from a leadership point of view? Is there something that you've really taken away from that journey that you kind of um, embedded within your leadership and your work now? Well, I, I think I've been lucky to be able to observe in my journey some great leaders, you know, and I think you learn more from leaders. In fact, at Hilton, we have a program called Leaders Teaching Leaders, you know, which is probably the most powerful of all because you, you, you listen to leaders downloading their own experiences, what has been positive, what has been less positive, what they've learned from, what meant who have been their mentors and their role models, and then their philosophies about leadership. And amongst all that, you develop your own. And, and I developed my own instinctively, not thinking about leadership that much, but, but finding a way to lead people and motivate them and keep them happy and, and them delivering to a higher requirement. Uh, I, I think it was just about treat people, you know, basic principles of treating people like you would wish to be treated. You know, I hated people shouting at me, so therefore I never shouted at people. I like people to recognize my work, so therefore I recognize other people's work. I also like my leaders to say yes to my requirements for, for, for time off, you know, if I wanted a particular day off. So I said yes to my team members asking for particular days off. You know, it was very basic stuff. But actually, it's actually very powerful because leadership is all about that. It's all about creating an environment for people that work with you to thrive and, and be, be themselves and be them their best selves, you know. And I find that saying yes to people is the most powerful word of all. You know, if, if people ask, ask for something and you're able to say yes, you've got them. You know, you've got their commitment, you've got their goodwill, you've got their positivity. Uh, and, it, and it is so horrific to have to say no, and then sometimes you do have to say no, but, you know, it, it, it's important that when you say no, people know that you really wanted to say yes and couldn't, and had to say no. Uh, and, and these are very basic tenets, you know, they don't write about that in leadership books, but to me, they, they were the fundamentals of my own philosophy about leadership. Yeah. Um. I love this program. I love the yes idea. You know, we we should always default to yes, where until such time it becomes an issue and we can't um, say yes. 
Um, Leaders Teaching Leaders, that whole program, has that been in Hilton for some time or is that quite a new program? Uh, well, I think it's been at Hilton as a way of leading for, for quite a long time. I yeah. think it's, it's been formalized more now into part of our leadership offering. Uh, you know, we have sort of lunch with a leader or, or a special event where you listen or interact with, with senior leaders in the organization in small groups in, in a fairly intimate setting. You know, so now we write it up as one of the many programs we have available for leaders uh, to participate in. But the, the culture and the philosophy of mentorship, you know, of leaders mentoring other leaders in, in either formal or informal ways has kind of always existed at Hilton in some fashion. It's just now um, that we put more structure into it and it's one of our programs. Um, yeah. And, and, and all of our leaders, or the majority of our leaders, as long as they're willing, uh, and also able are mentors, you know. So I have four or five mentees in the organization, not necessarily in my region, you know, across the world that, that I mentor. And, and similarly, all of my peers and members of our board have, have mentees up and down the organization. And we have a process by which we nominate mentees and we match mentors and mentees and we extract, you know, uh, the learning from that process uh, and pass it on to sort of the next generation. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mentorship is becoming more popular now, but actually it's such a simple thing. It's about collaboration and storytelling. And, you know, we're, in so many ways, we're going back to something beyond, you know, business. But when people would sit around and have a conversation um, yeah. and talk, and we're kind of encouraging that with mentorship. Um, yeah. It's a great program. I, I'm Hilton is award-winning in so many different uh, so many different ways, but it's um, it's kind of HR, it's people, it's the Great Place to Work awards. You know, it, it comes up year and year. There's always an award, and and Hilton's on it. And um, where and why do you think? that it keeps winning the awards apart from obviously entering them in the first place <laughs> you're going to win them but are there some specific things that you think makes Hilton stand out to to win the awards yeah I mean I think first of all important to say that we don't uh, enter the awards to win the awards for just that the purpose of winning an award you know we enter the the great places to work uh, sort of a, a process in multiple countries because we want to benchmark ourselves against other companies and we want to extract some learning. We also get information through the survey process uh, from great places to work in terms of how we compare to other organizations, either in our sectors or outside of our sectors. That's the power of it. And of course, winning or being in the top 10 is fantastic recognition for our team members and for our leaders indicators of the fact that we're going in the right direction as an employer in delivering a great, a great employer brand. So that's principally why we do this. And, and, and my take on why we are successful, it's because of all of the companies I've, I've worked for, you know, most companies will have fantastically positive statements on, on their brochures or on their website about team members and team member engagement and culture and so on. But very few companies actually act on it with the degree of intent where the whole organization at Hilton is focused 
on our team members in a way that I have never seen before. It comes from our chief executive, from our, our leadership groups, and it is absolutely sincere. You listen to our chief executive, Chris Nasetta, speak to all audiences, including uh, hard-nosed analysts on Wall Street. He will always say that the success of Hilton is done to our people, to the ability we have to build the right culture, and to focus on engagement. And if you if you focus on your people, they deliver the success. And he believes that. You know, it's not just words. He, you, you know that he is authentic and he is convinced and he is passionate about that. Yeah. And that, I think, permeates the organization in a way that I haven't ever seen before in other companies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It is. I, I love that. There is there's this kind of no need to win, but just a need to improve. And so, yeah, that's it's a new take that I think people will be able to take forwards for sure. Um, you know, it is it is all about the people. I mean, I was very fortunate to be supported on my challenge with Hilton, um, as as you know, but not all the guests will, on my 5,000-mile um, world record. And I really got an insight. And of course, COVID was happening at the time. um, And I really got an insight into Hilton, which was outstanding. It's definitely the people, the culture is right, is at the grassroots in every hotel. You know, I've just felt it. Um, And. But but COVID was happening and that it, it was almost soul destroying. You could feel it. You could feel people, the sadness, you know, the hospitality industry was, was, you know, being sucked under. What's that journey look like? And is there kind of light at the end of the tunnel? Is there, you know, have you had to um, let people go? What's that journey look like really? Yes. I mean, it's for, 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 all of the hospitality industry and certainly for Hilton and for everyone else, it's been the most challenging year and a half ever. You know, we've been through a crisis before, financial crisis, sort of a geopolitical crisis around the world and, and they've affected our business in some ways, but nothing on the scale of this pandemic. You know, we, we had hotels closed, you know, many hotels were closed and so there was no business, zero revenue. You imagine a world where you can't even cover your costs, you can't pay your team members, you can't, it's, it's been really uh, horrific. And of course, we've had to uh, uh, furlough team members and in some cases make team members redundant. But I think through it all, we, we've led with our values. You know, we, we've never made those decisions about team members easily. We've tried to make them with compassion. We've tried to support our team members as best we could. I mean, obviously, in Western Europe and in the United States and in certain other countries around the world, there was some government support available, like we had here in the UK. And we're very grateful for that because it enabled our team members to have income during a difficult period. Uh, and and I think to me the measurement was as we were look as we were making redundancies and letting people go very sadly. And we were looking at the commentary, you know, on social media. I can't remember a single negative comment about Hilton from people having lost their jobs. You know, we're saying, you know, I'm really, really sorry. I've had to leave Hilton, but, but you know, I've been dealt with correctly and, and I'll miss Hilton and hopefully I'll go back someday. And many are not coming back, you know, which is really great testament to Hilton. We're able to welcome team members back that want to come back, uh, that, that we've had to let go. And, and we are on the recovery path. 
not in every country. There are still countries, uh, you know, under under the sort of the push of COVID in in in, in a stronger stronger restrictions than we're experiencing in in the UK and in the US and in, and in Europe. But generally speaking, we're on the up. We're on the recovery path that is definitely light, uh, more light than darkness in our world today. And and uh, we're optimistic about the future, and we can get back to delivering great hospitality to our customers and looking after our team members. Yeah, yeah, there was definitely, you know, there was definitely the feel, because of course, as I went into the Hiltons, I would speak to the managers and there was this feeling of compassion, as you said, you know, there was this huge compassion for managers about what they had to do, the conversations that they had to have, um, you know, stories that were heartbreaking, you know, letting people go who had been there 40, 50 years. Um, but it wasn't done, you know, flippantly or lightly. And and as you say, you know, those people will come back um, yeah. because they love working for Hilton. And I'm not sure that we've got many organisations in the world that can honestly say that, that are as big as Hilton. Um because I think when I looked at, I mean, there will be, but not many, um, you know, there's, um, there's a, I, I read recently about a guy who says that once you reach over 100 people in your organisation, you really start to lose that teamwork, the, the camaraderie and, and all of that sort of thing. But Hilton is obviously, you know, hundreds and thousands of people. Um, you know, what? How do you still keep that? Because I is it that the hotels are very kind of they they uh, encourage that within their own cultures of the hotel itself? Because you seem to have encouraged that culture to work throughout all Hilton, and it all kind of permeates. Um, but you're obviously much bigger than a hundred people. So how does that work? Well, I, I think a number of things at play here, and some are more complex than others. But you know, I, the most important factor in all of this is to carefully choose your leaders. Uh, you know, and and uh, you're only as good, really, as 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 any one of your leaders around the world in propagating uh, and embodying our culture, our values, and what we believe in, how we want our people to lead, and and we we define that pretty, you know fairly clearly through our our leadership development programs, our cultural sort of communication programs, our town halls, you know, from our leaders. Mm. We're very clear what we, how we expect our leaders to lead, and we measure their leadership through our employee surveys. You know, we, we our team members sort of comment on how they are led, and that defines, if you will, the quality of leadership in our in our hotels. So. I think that's how you do it as a big company. You, you, you set your stall up, you describe your culture, the culture you want to, to, to be recognized, and you role model the leadership you want your leaders to, to sort of you know, copy and deliver to, to, to the team members in every hotel around the world. Yeah. Do we succeed in every hotel? No, because you know, you're dealing with human nature and human frailty as well. But generally speaking, we do succeed in, in the vast majority of those hotels in delivering our culture. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really interesting because um, it was going to be kind of my next question around 
you know, many organizations will do their employee feedback, they'll do their employee well-being, they'll take the data. And then what happens is nothing happens because they're either so big or there's red tape or there's somebody who stops that. Oh, well, we don't want to do that. You know, and I, I see that in large and small organizations. But how do you keep that loop going in such a large organization? Because the data that you must get uh, must be huge within itself. But I, I'm guessing that you've got quite a strong loop of that data being actioned. We are absolutely obsessive with it. When we do our survey, uh, which, which you know we do every year, uh, a very large survey, and then we do other pulse surveys at different times. And of course, we have the surveys from Great Places to Work. We take the data and the report so seriously, Nala. We have a whole process of analyzing the data, reporting the data back to our leaders and to our team members, and then identifying action we will take. Now, clearly, you can never take action on every single point our team member raised, but you take every year the top three or four issues and you address it. Whether it's uh, you know training or whether sometimes it's an issue around compensation or it's an issue on workload or it's an issue on well-being, you pick up the three, four main points and you communicate and you address it. You say to your team members, this is what you've said to us. We're going to pick the top three, and this year we'll address that. And then next year we'll address the next three and the next four, or whatever you know. And, and, and because of that, we have a response rate in the high nineties. I've never seen that in other companies. More than ninety percent of our team members respond to the questionnaire in the first place, and they do because they know we take it seriously. Wow! And then we have an obsessive process of reporting the data acting upon it, we put that in the management objectives, you know, it's, it's, and that's how you, you, you make it uh, a very, very serious endeavor each year to respond to your team members' concerns in that world. That's the only way, that's the only way that uh, uh, team members know that you take this seriously. In other organizations, eventually they stop responding to the question. You know, if you don't respond, you have response rates of 40% or 50% if you're lucky. And that's because people think they ask me every year, but no, nothing happens. Why should I? Why should I bother? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And I've seen that time and time again, and it's disheartening for people. And then, of course, you lose trust, which is you know just imperative for any organisation. I mean, there's there's stress and noise in every workplace, right? That kind of stuff that keeps going on. Do you do you think that? And, this has been a bit of a topic in the UK within our political uh, parties, actually, with some behaviours. But do you believe that we can still have kind leadership, even in the kind of stress and noise of workplaces? And, you know, and how do we do that? How do we remove the stress um, of the workplace and still kind of be a calm and kind leader? I, I, I almost think it's it's fundamental to be kind and empathetic. You know, if you uh, if you're serious about um, about leadership, and if you're serious about the notion that leadership is about enabling people to thrive and and, and flourish and achieve their objectives, uh, then you know the notion of kindness and empathy is is core to that. You know, and if you want to be yourself treated with kindness and empathy, then you know, you have to deliver the same to people that you need. 
Um, and that translates, I think, into uh, being in tune and being connected with your team members. You know, this notion of authentic leadership. You're judged by your team members, not by, by what you say, but by what you do. You know, and it's it's very true. They'll, they'll judge your behavior. They, they won't judge just the words you, you utter. They'll judge how, how you behave. I think kindness and empathy drive superior performance in team members. You know, they're more engaged. They know you care for them. They know you, you've got their back. They know you, you care not only about them as employees, but about them as human beings. And you care about what happens to them outside of work and their lives. And you, your, your role as a leader is to do what you can to make it better, you know, through work and through other ways. Yeah. Uh, I think there is a place, a strong place, in the definition of leadership for kindness and empathy, without question. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there are hundreds of leadership, thousands, millions of, of leadership books out there with all of these things, including mine, um, and that kind of gives these tips, you know, that you should be doing this, you should be doing that. And, and for leaders, it can be overwhelming I think you know you're in a management role you're working long hours is there some top tips for leaders that you believe are the way to to kind of behave within leadership but things that you take forward and you go this is this is the thing that I always need to remember the most um to to kind of allow people to take something forwards well, you know, I, I, I always think that, that sometimes my role as a leader is to try and make life easier for the people that work with for me. You know, so if there's something on their mind, something complex, if there's a, you know, I, I get questions sometimes from my team saying, oh, I've got to do a presentation about this topic, uh, you know, anything you can do to help. And I always think, oh, well, I'll send you a few bullet points, you know, some ideas. And, and uh, uh, my, my response isn't. God, I'm too busy. I can't do that. I'll find a way to respond. You know, it's obviously on, on their mind, worrying them, stressing them, and I might have an answer to be able to help them. You know, my, my default reaction, and I'm not, by the way, putting myself forward as the, you know, the best leader or the best example of leadership, but I'm, I'm just sharing my own philosophy. My first reaction is to try and help, you know, yeah. to try and lighten the load uh, and and basic principle but it's quite powerful and and you know they know that you would do that for them and invariably but it's not always sort of uh you know there, there's a certain amount of selfishness there because you know that if you if you respond in that way you're going to get more from them you know they'll 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 be happier and they'll deliver more and they'll be more efficient and effective in their work yeah there is something within a number of religions, actually, but also there's more of this conversation around purpose comes down to supporting others. You know, that's that's our whole purpose of being here, really, as we kind of grow and develop. And so I love your response. I think if if we can all do that as leaders and only focus on who needs me today, um, you know, we we make the world a better place, right? Um, so yeah, no, I love that. Um, yeah, I, think, I think we do know, and I think our purpose at Hilton is all about service. You know, it's all about customer service. It's all about community service. It's all about making the world a better place. You know, spreading the light and warmth of hospitality, and uh, that's what our founder said, and that's what we try to live to live up to. You know, in our company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I 
my personal experience is absolutely Hilton is um, and deserve all the awards, even if you don't go in to win them, only to improve, you definitely deserve them. Um, we've already come to the end of the podcast. It always flies by and, and I'm sure people could uh, take so many more tips from you. I will. I always ask, um, final question at the end of the podcast is, what does a culture of kindness mean to you? As to me, it means that we are completely centred on the well-being and uh, and uh, fulfillment of our team members first and foremost and we are yeah yeah i love that i always ask that question and nobody ever comes up with anything remotely the same which i absolutely love it's always completely unique and gives me something else to think about um on my journey forward so thank you so much Ben, you've been an incredible guest. I'm so glad to have had you on here talking about Hilton and giving people some top tips uh, to take forwards. You are a most welcome guest. Thank you. Thank you, Nala, for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening. If you have loved this episode, please do share it with others. Pop on and give a lovely review, but mostly take forwards into your life something that can change someone else's. We are looking for the elusive happiness and kindness is the action that can get us there.